Thank you so much, worship team. Didn't, weren't you blessed by that worship today? Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And we just started breaking out in song, and I could just feel the spirit here this morning, and it's just such an amazing thing. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy last Sabbath of 2023. Who would have thought, right? Kind of went by uh, pretty quick, um, a little too fast. And, you know, this week between Christmas and New Year's, at least for me, is always a little bit awkward, right? Because those first couple of days after Christmas, I never know if, when I see somebody if I should still say Merry Christmas or if I should say Happy New Year, right? Because it's still not New Year's yet. You still got like a whole week. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But um, I always find myself catching myself saying both, you know, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So for you guys, Happy Sabbath, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And I'm just so glad that you can join us today. And I'm also extremely happy, right, because I don't know if you guys remember, but the last Sabbath last year, I got to preach, and now Pastor Darren's gone again, so I get to preach again, right? Yeah, it's nice. Um, you know, I always appreciate when he does uh, let us come up here, and two years in a row now, I get to do the last Sabbath of the year, and I never know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Do we want to start off? But, you know, we're just so grateful to be here this morning. And before we go into the Word, let's just bow our heads and let's pray. I definitely follow, Lord, we're just so grateful for your love, and as we go into your word this morning, I just ask that you be with us, and we're so grateful that your spirit is here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to start off with a, a quick question this morning, and just, just want you to raise your hand. Who here is a first-generation Adventist? Just raise your hand. First-generation, okay, we got a couple. How about second-generation? Second-generation Adventists? All right, got some hands up. Third? Okay, we got some third, fourth? Oh, oh man, fourth, all right. How about fifth, any fifth? Uh, okay, okay, all right, and let me see, sixth? Wow, okay, <laughs> that's awesome. So the reason I start, I start off like this is because I myself on my mom's side, I'm a fourth generation Adventist. I, you know, I have heard, I've been part of this church since the womb. And there's this one saying that I have heard my whole time, and, you know, there's a bunch of them that I could bring up, but the main one is that, Joseph, Jesus is coming back. Amen, right? Is that not, amen, right? We've heard that. But I think from the sound of that, right, I think sometimes that saying, does it lose meaning perhaps, right? You know, I've been hearing that 26 years myself, my mom, I'm not going to say how many years, right? She's here this morning. Don't want to make her feel, you know, can't say that out loud. My grandpa as well for another 76, and my great-grandpa as well. And that's over 100 years hearing the same, same word, Jesus is coming back, this amazing statement that we get to, get to hear. And the truth is, as I, as I think about that statement, and, and right now we're in our sermon series, Reasons to Rejoice, we have just rejoiced because of the birth of Jesus that we celebrated during this Christmas Advent season. And now we are here, and as we end this series, we rejoice because we know that he's coming back again. And this morning, I want us to open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 1. If you want to go there in your, on your iPad or your phone, uh, Acts, chapter 1. And we're going to start off reading this in verse 4. And it says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, 
Jesus baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had been around Jerusalem for 40 days now teaching, you know, doing some Christianity 101 with the disciples. They were still learning. They had seen him die. They had seen him resurrect now, and they're still, you know, feeling this out, this new Christian thing. What are we trying to do? Kind of getting this refresher course. And now we see this promise of the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon them. And we see Jesus commands them, right? He says, do not leave Jerusalem. This is where you need to stay because something amazing is about to happen right now. So here we go in verse 6, and it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Right? He's telling them to stay. He's telling them, hey, something amazing is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come down. But you see, the, prom- the problem was that the disciples interpreted the promise of the Holy Spirit as restoration for the kingdom of Israel. And it's interesting, right, because in a way we see the language in this text is not leading us there. It seems the disciples are just thinking about themselves, right? It's only Israel, not the restoration of the earth or of all mankind. And we see here that they're so focused in their self-interest, right, that they still don't get it. They don't get what Jesus had come to do. They're still trying to figure out exactly what this all means, and they're hoping to receive this benefit. They're thinking, God, are you finally going to make us right? Are you fi- is this the time that we're finally going to be in power? Are you going to make us, you know, hire people? Are you finally going to free us? And we see that's happening here in Acts chapter 1. And, and, and it makes me think, right, are the disciples seeing the question wrong? Is this a bad question for the disciples? Are they seeing this right? Even though Jesus is telling them, hey, just stay here. He's commanding them, wait, something better is going to happen. The disciples are in this place of like, is it finally going to happen? Are we finally going to be free? Are we finally going to be restored? Is the kingdom of Israel going to finally come? And we ask ourselves that question sometimes, right? Are, are we, is it, is it that time, right? Is, is, is it time now? You know, we look around what's happening right now. I'm sure you've all seen in the news about what's happening in the beaches, and people are calling them these mini tsunamis, right, that's happening. You see, is, is, is it time now, Lord, that the second coming is happening? We can look back at our history, right? We can even look a couple years ago, and we say, we look at what's going on the, around the world, the earthquake, the humanitarian crisis, and we say, is it now, Lord, the time? Is, is it happening? Are we there yet? And, you know, the truth is, it's, it's, not, it's not a wrong question per se, right? The disciples, they, they just want to feel restored, right? That's why they're using it. They, they want to feel whole. They want to feel full because they know that Jesus is going to leave them soon. Right? But, but something happens along the way, right? Some, I'm sure we've all heard the song, right? Or we've heard the saying, Jesus, take the wheel, but if I'm in the car, let me drive instead. Right? We do that sometimes. It's the truth, right? Because we, we do trust them, but I trust myself, right? Driving, you know, I've gotten to that age, right, where I, I feel uncomfortable if somebody else is driving, right? I don't fall asleep anymore, because I got to watch, I got to pay attention, right? And we do that. And we see here, right, this, 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 this is happening, and Jesus, 
is the time? This is the right question. And we see here in, in verse, verse 7, he says, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. We, that all sounds familiar to us, right? The disciples, they keep on asking, and, and yet Jesus here is telling them, nobody knows the date, the time, or the hour. But we ask the question, is it time now? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In verse 8, he says, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Growing up, I was always that kid in the back seat that always asked the question, are we there yet? And I'm sure you all have children who do that, all right? That was me. I would always ask my dad, I'm like, dad, are we there yet? Because I'm bored, I'm tired. I don't want to be in the car anymore. Now I'm that person, as I said earlier, that I look in the back and in my passenger seat and everybody's falling asleep and they wake up and the first thing they ask is, are we there yet? I'm like, I'm still driving. What do you think? (laughs) I would have waken you up if we were there yet. And it drives me crazy sometimes, just a little bit, because the truth is for me, and I'm telling you guys a little bit about me today, I'm more of a destination person than I am a journey person, right? If I set my mind to something, I'm like, okay, we're going here, that is what's going to happen, and I don't like when we stop along the way sometimes, right? Diane's the opposite, you know, my girlfriend. She's like, no, let's stop here. You know, can we go to Target real quick? Can we stop at Starbucks? You know, I'm like, I look at the time, we're already an hour late, and I'm like, no, 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 we're not stopping, we're already late, we're going to go there straight away. And I, it's, it, it's, I, I'm working on it, right? I want to be a journey person, I know we're on this long journey called life, but when I get in a car for some reason, that's what happens to me. I just want to get to point A and point B, because in my head, point B is where all the fun stuff is. And this question, are we there yet? This process, right? And, and the disciples are asking, are we there yet? Are we finally here, right? We were so, the disciples are thinking and they're wanting to receive the Holy Spirit, which is being promised but because they think it's going to bring them power. And finally, thank you, Jesus, we can do something about Israel, right? But Jesus tells them, it is not about that. It is not only about Israel, but it's also about Samaria, and it's also about all the people in the ends of the earth. And maybe the truth is this might have been a little bit disheartening for them because they're thinking we can finally do what we have thought this whole time. But Jesus keeps on preaching the same message he has time and time again. It is not just about the people of Israel, but it is about everybody. And in verse 9, he says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and while they were watching and and they could no longer see him, and as they strain to see him rising into heaven, right? This just reminds me this, of that little kid, right, who was outside, and they have their helium balloon, and they let it go on accident, and they just look up, and they look up, and they look up, and they can't see it anymore, and they're just so sad and distraught, and they're like, what now? And that's the scene here, the ascension of Jesus up to heaven. They're just watching, and they're staring. And sometimes that kid even chases that balloon just hoping that they can catch up to it, hoping that it will come back down. But the truth is, Jesus wasn't coming back down. Truth is, that balloon doesn't come back down. We don't see it anymore. It just keeps on going and going and going. And we're hoping to just catch a glimpse of it. And the truth is, as Adventists, this this isn't the first time that we find in our history that we've been caught up looking up. Right? 
Ellen White writes in her biography about 8, October 22nd, 1844, that people went to the highest perch and they looked up, waiting, and nothing happened. We all know it as the great disappointment. Adventist history, our church's history. And we see it's not the first time, the disciples, it happened with, this as, with them as well. And then if we keep on reading here, we see in verse 10, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same, same way you saw him go. Here they're standing, they are looking they are lost, you can say. They are waiting. They are hoping for something to happen. But the truth is, nothing is going to happen. They are standing still as statues. They're just waiting and waiting. Because the truth is, it's easy to just, to just stand and wait. It's easy to just stand and wait, but it's also hard. And we see here, and though we see, and, and then we keep on seeing here, the disciples, they had to wait. And we see this upper room experience that comes after, and they were said they were called to wait, and they were called to pray as well. And they get this, in this text, they get this beautiful two for one, right? First they get the Holy Spirit, and then they get the promise that Jesus is coming back, the good news. This is a, an amazing two for one special that, is, that we get to see here in Scripture. And we see him, but the problem is now they have to wait. And the truth is, none of us are good at waiting, are we? At least I know I'm not. In and out drive through line, no way, too long, right? Car wash line, too long. Truth is, right, if I have to wait more than a day nowadays for shipping, I don't like that. We're not like that. William, uh, William in his commentary on Acts says this, Waiting is an onerous burden for us computerized and technically impatient moderns who live in an age of instant everything. It's one tough task for the church. Our waiting implies that things which need, need doing are beyond our ability to accomplish solely by our own effort. Our programs and crusades, some other empowerment is needed. Therefore, the church waits and prays. And we, we you know, waiting has been something we've done our whole lives. As we see it even through scripture, right? Jesus shows us, right? So many times people were asking Jesus to do something, but yet he was waiting for the right time. He was waiting, right? And even if we go into the Old Testament as well, right? Abraham waited for years for his child. We're not good at it. It's, it's a difficult, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a discipline, right? Because the problem is if we are in the waiting, things can happen. And the problem is all of those things sometimes aren't good. We, we, in the waiting, we experience pain and we experience sorrow. Just last night, I was texting a friend. It was, you know, it was around 9.30, and he texted me, hey, man, can we talk real quick? And I said, yes. And, and we were talking, and he called me, and he told me about a friend of his from seminary, a pastor who had been waiting for a kidney for a very long time, and he needed a kidney transplant. And he, the kidney came. So imagine that. They were excited. They had waited for a while, and finally the kidney came in. They just found out it didn't take, and he passed away. That's what happens in the waiting, and sometimes it's so difficult for us to understand, and we ask, and we want 
God to come and we're waiting. And that's why the second coming is such an interesting topic because we're looking and we're waiting because when we're experiencing this world, it is extremely difficult to live in. And we ask God, what are we supposed to do? We don't want to experience this anymore. But it's a promise. And it's hard to live in that. And it is the reason why, right, when Jesus came and he's here with his disciples and he doesn't tell them to stand still, right? He tells them, go, wait, and pray as well. Because there's a power now among us that is here with us. You know, as I said earlier, the whole, my whole life I've been hearing that Jesus is coming back. And, and just, just recently I was having lunch with some of our collegiate kids that were here home for break. And I asked them the question, what is the second coming for you? What have you been taught in your years within our church? And you would think the first response would be good news, right? But no, it wasn't. The first response was fear. They're afraid. And I asked them, and I'm like, why? Why are you afraid? They're like, we know Jesus coming is a good thing. But it's the things that come before it that scare me. And I'm like, have we not taught them that the Jesus coming is, overtakes everything? That the pain and the suffering that we're experiencing now, right, even though there is some fear that we have, sadly, that that all gets to go away when he comes again. I think about my favorite verse growing up, right? John 14, 1 through 3, and it says, do not let your heart be troubled, right? And we all know it. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house, I have many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will take you, come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Right? That's an amazing text, right? And we love it and we say it and we preach it because, yes, this means God is coming back. He is preparing our rooms. My room is going to be ready. It's going to be huge, right? It's going to have a 90-inch flat screen TV. It is amazing. It's going to be the best room in the world. And then in verse 4, right, sometimes we forget it says this, right? And he says to his disciples, you know the way to the place where I am going. And that just changes everything. And then if we keep on reading in John 14, they start going, what do you mean, God? What do you mean, Jesus? How do you, I don't know how there, but we're here now and we know how to get to that place where I am going, right? Jesus' second coming is a reason to rejoice. It's a reason to rejoice because, church family, let me tell you this. As long as I have been here, I do believe it with my whole heart. But in, as we wait for his second coming, we get to do it together. And we don't get to do it alone. We get to wait and pray with our brothers and sisters. We get to wait with the people who are suffering. We get to wait with those who need it more than anybody else. And when Jesus was preaching to them, and as they were waiting for, for Jesus, as they saw Jesus go away, the reason that the angels came was because they needed that little push to get forward in what he had actually called them to do. He needed that little wait. And now we have this opportunity. It's 2023, we're about to enter 2024. It's the new year. We're writing down our goals, or maybe we haven't even thought about it. The Christmas season has just finished, 
right? Maybe now we can finally breathe a little bit, but then we think, okay, we still have one more week of break, right? Some people have to go back to work. And what is going to be our thought process? What is going to be our goal? Another year went by and Jesus didn't come. Do we still believe he's coming back? Because I do. I believe he's coming back and I no longer have to wait. But I am not scared to be in the waiting if you guys are alongside with me. I'm not. Because you are the people in which I want to be next to. You're the people that I want to know that you have my back. And that just doesn't go for me, but anybody who walks through those doors as well. You know, here at Calamesa, we always, you know, we have our, I guess you can call it our, our motto, you know, the principles we live by. We love God and we love people. And that's also something that we should never get tired of. And my prayer this morning is this, that as we move into 2024, that we don't get distracted in the, in the delay of Christ's coming. I pray that we, be, we continue to be a people of the way, just like the early Christians were and the Christians that have come before us. And that as we wait, for his second coming, that we can continue to rejoice, that we can continue to be with one another, and more importantly, that we can do good, and that we can show people, and we can talk to people about the gospel, and we can tell them about who Jesus is, and that we're not gonna be here much, much longer. And I know we've been saying that for generations now, but the time is coming. Let us continue to not just be statues. Let us continue to move in the way that God has called us to. And that this church be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that through it, we're able to speak life into this community, into this world. May God bless you. I ask as we move into 2024, Lord, that you continue to show us the way that we continue to ask and pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that, Lord, we can just always remember and keep in our hearts your promises that you're coming back soon. So grateful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.